Welcome back to the MLS Net Boys Podcast. <laughs> my name is Chase. You are here with me, and I am here with my good friend Jacob. How are you doing today? I'm great, you know. it's This is episode 40. That's crazy. Episode 40 of the MLS Net Boys show. That's why I had to draw out the intro a little bit there. I was... Uh, it's kind of like a throwback one for us because we don't have producer, I, which isn't that uncommon. <laughs> but I got the little podcast uh, software running on the computer here, and I could just see when you open up that can, just the explosion on the graph <laughs> of that sound effect. Throwback to the beginning. Are we going to do anything special for the 50th episode? We do a Q&A where we ask our friends to write questions for us. <laughs> <laughs> We can do a fun one. We can do some different things because that'll probably be like mid off season. Yeah, like not, and not until this or before the season starts. So yeah, we can do a little, a little bit of a fun one, which means around, which means around this time next year we'll be almost to episode a hundred. That's gonna <laughs> be awesome if if we don't miss any episodes, <laughs> like we seem to do. Whenever there's big news around the league, we seem to miss an episode true maybe to make up for in the off season we can like record like multiple episodes in like one session oh man we're gonna have to take a full day to do that (laughs) (laughs) how we operate Uh, you know what i just realized we didn't play any darts today we were talking about that last week how we're gonna start playing darts beforehand there's a bathroom break and or maybe post post recording if it's not we still took like two hours to get started but (laughs) no darts this time there still was online shopping, just like last time. We were we were perusing the net for some uh, some nice Timbers gear. But I am wearing today my second favorite team in MLS, Colorado Rapids. I'm wearing an OG Colorado Rapids hat. A nice, nice green OG Colorado Rapids hat. It's it's pretty cool. It has like the the OG like logo on the side as well which is sweet i just got it because it looks like a timbers hat but i i just <laughs> I like know. the hat it's pretty cool you're gonna you better wear that to some games next year you're gonna be like that one random fan me and chase play this little game whenever we go to a game we kind of point out like the most niche obscure other soccer apparel at mls stadiums i love just going to a timbers game and you'll see like you'll see all the classic like somebody will be wearing a man city or like a Barca or a Mexico jersey or something. Then you'll just see the most random team you'll ever think of. like Ipswich Town. Yeah, <laughs> yeah or like Colo Colo in Chile. <laughs> see, it's so weird because like sometimes you'll see people wear like national team jerseys for like some of the players on the team. Like Argentina for whatever reason at Miami. A lot of people wear those kits. Um, so I, Facundo Farias. Yeah. <laughs> I understand that, but yeah, when you just see like some random bloke wearing like a full kit of like like Crystal Palace or something, I don't know. It just it always like it used to bother me because I'd just be like, "Why are you doing that?" Like it's it's just it's the equivalent of like when people have like their kids wear their soccer cleats to like go watch a game. I'm like, oh, I hate that. It's like, why are you wearing your cleats in here right now? <laughs> it's the weirdest. I hate that. I hate that as well. It's just weird, but some, some, it, it makes if it's like a really little kid, it's kind of cute. But when you see the kid, they're pushing like 
third, fourth grade. Yeah, and they're pushing like 10, 12. It's like, all right, bud, time to take those cleats off. I just, put on put on the indoor shoes at least. Like put on some sambas or something. That's, that's right. That's all right. That's some culture right there. I like seeing like it's like you said, it, it didn't it didn't quite annoy me, but it just more puzzled me at first. But now I kind of look forward to going to a Timbers game and seeing like what I'm going to find. Because what fascinates me is when t- people wear other MLS gear. Because you wouldn't think MLS is at the point where it's like here in America you'll see people wearing random NBA jerseys kind of just for like style and fashion. But when you go to a Timbers game and they're playing Salt Lake, for example, and somebody's wearing a Houston Dynamo like away training kit, it's really weird to me. You know what's uh <laughs> I got I got to ask you what do you think is worse? Like this happening in MLS cuz I feel like it's very common in the US like people just wearing anything soccer related. I do see some people just randomly wear like a Blazers jersey or like the worst is when you see somebody wear like Seahawks gear. It's like a Timbers game. Disgrace. Do you think that's worse than I feel like in England? We were talking about this before. I don't see anybody wear any gear to games. It's a bunch of like it's either in the middle of the winter, so they're all bundled up, or just like shirtless, really pale <laughs> white guys. Say, you either see completely wrapped up people or shirtless, bald, old white guy. So I've never, I've never understood that. And my theory, the only theory I can come up with as to why, like when you look in the stands, you like maybe see a couple people with like a like a scarf or something is like the camera only catches like the lowest part of the fans and those are like really expensive seats. So like the real fans who are wearing the gear are up in the nosebleeds. That's why you don't see them. Or they're watching the game at home on uh, Paramount Plus. (laughs) Wearing their full kit, laying in bed. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, I don't know. That's, But I do find it funny, though, when you see like a guy wearing a DC United like T-shirt See, at like a Timbers versus like Vancouver game or something. See, me and me and Chase were talking about this before. We got to do like on the outside of the stadium like interviews, and because I would love to interview somebody like that. Like, w- why? Like, why did you put this on today? They're wearing like the. <laughs> oh man, that'd be that'd be really funny. Cause it's. It's either gonna be like a dude with a ponytail or like a bald guy wearing one of those like flat top caps that like newspaper boys used to wear. <laughs> <laughs> you know that's the kind of guy we'll find, especially in Portland. Totally. And I don't know. Whenever I see MLS gear in public, it's like I was saying, we're MLS really isn't at that point where, you know, you see stuff super, super casually, with a few exceptions, I would say. So I always like there was one time I talked to a dude uh who I saw at the store wearing a Colorado Rapids shirt and this is in Oregon like five three four states away a club that we kind of meme about but most people consider one of the smallest clubs in MLS and somebody's just wearing a shirt for them on like a random Friday night like that's a story I want to hear heck yeah dude Oh, man. Have you seen the, I don't know if it's a Reddit thread or Twitter, but there was this guy who goes to, like, Disney World on vacation every single year, and he tallies with his family. (laughs) He's not one of those, he's not one of those Disney adult people, but when he goes on family with, on his family vacation, he, like, keeps track on his phone what 
MLS jerseys he sees out at Disney World. Oh, really? It might just be regular jerseys, but he he does a, like an MLS specific like portion of it, and it's pretty fascinating actually. That is like a very just like man thing to do. Is like go on vacation somewhere else and wear your sports team's like jersey while you're there. Like I saw a video not too long ago of like some girl when she went to like a resort with like her husband, just like recording like all the like men around and it was like dudes wearing just like like Man United, like Al Nasir, like Man City, like just all these like random like football kits at this resort. I feel like that's a very like that's a dude thing right there i've definitely done that myself honestly it's kind of fun like going somewhere and like putting your jersey on being like this might be like this might open up a conversation yeah and it has for me dude um whenever i go to seattle first of all because you know timbers geared 24 7 layer up there (laughs) i do wear i do pack my timber shirt and maybe like a hoodie or a jacket and i've had people kind of like jeer at me but it's like it opens up a conversation it's kind of fun to like talk to especially sounders fans like you know we hate each other but there is like a a cascade like a camaraderie there in a way right and so i'll always do that but then also on me and my wife's honeymoon i wore my timbers jersey on the plane and like three in the morning we we went to miami and we got to the this our resort and Dude, the guy behind me in line at three in the morning at the the resort was like, Timbers? I was like, Yeah, man, we're from we're from Oregon. He's like, Dude, I used to play in their academy. I could have been <laughs> totally lying. I have no idea. But interesting. Should have got his name so he could have looked him up. <laughs> that would have been crazy. Yeah, that's a that's a very dude thing, but it's kind of fun to think about, like I've I've done it and I've never really done it intentionally, but I think from now on, I'm always gonna make sure like first day of a vacation, I'm gonna wear a Timbers jersey or the airport. I I've worn it to the I used to wear it to the airport all the time because the Alaska Air oh yeah flying perk thing, but yeah, you don't think they're gonna honor that anymore? <laughs> no nah, man, that that's gone. But maybe Show up I'll, with my Debella jersey. Maybe I'll get a Debella free. Like window <laughs> quote, <laughs> yeah, you'll get a free quote if you're wearing a de- a Timbers jersey when they arrive at your house. Oh man, this is a uh, this is how we have to fill time when there's only two games <laughs> in MLS this week. <laughs> oh yeah, MLS though, kind of winding down, getting close to the end of the season. I don't know. I don't want to say winding down because it's getting to like some of the most exciting matches of the year and uh this past weekend was no different our favorite team sorry second favorite team won colorado nope they played friendly the team playing seattle sounders so this week it was lafc (laughs) we don't have to talk about them first let's talk about what happened first i hate it because it's just two teams that i (laughs) i dislike i know right i was gonna say literally any other team i would rather have you know what I was almost rooting for in this game? Because I dislike LA. Both teams to get caught. No, I want steroids. <laughs> Ramon Torres. Uh, no, I wanted. I wanted Seattle. <laughs> that one got you. <laughs> oh man, that's a that was a random poll. I don't even. I didn't have that info in my brain like three seconds before you said that. That just 
just came to you. Man. Walk by was, that guy in a parking garage, and that dude is like <laughs> twice my size. That is a terrifying experience to walk by him. You remember when he just like attacked um, Steve Clark? <laughs> no, it was a. Uh, oh, no, I'm thinking Kendall Watson or Watson. After the game, like, it was, the ref blew the whistle, and I forget who was going to get it. I think it was. Uh, oh, didn't he like put in a cruncher on put somebody? Put in just like a. Yeah, like a crazy slide tackle from behind on, I want to say it was like Viafania, who was just going to like pick, the ref blew the whistle, the ball was already out of bounds, and he was like going to pick it up, and <laughs> Viafania, this, this giant center back, who Dude, just roid rage, just Of all through. people, too. Not even on Espria, but on Viafania, who looks like he works at a pawn shop or something, too. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, yeah. But no, anyways, Roman Torres definitely uh, got busted for using steroids. Uh, no, I was I was trying to say, I kind of wanted Seattle to advance. I wanted them to get closer, so the heartbreak was even worse for their fans. That's why I had them going all the way to the final. Really, I I'm tired of watching Seattle playing big games. Yeah, I guess it is something else for them to kind of like put in our face, you know, hold over us. But I would have just loved to see. Like them go to Columbus again and lose again. That would have been so funny. That'd be awesome. Oh man. But anyways, where should we start? What what game do we start with? There was four I don't even want to say thrillers, but they kinda were in a way. It was all one nil, so it wasn't like free flowing soccer. Except for the first game, which was Orlando City hosting Columbus. Heck Big yeah. matchup for me and Chase. There were some personal <laughs> expectations laid out on the line. We predicted this one. I predicted Orlando three to one winning. Chase predicted Columbus winning four to three. Wasn't exactly a shootout, but Columbus won two zero. Come on, Columbus. Helped out maybe a little bit with a red card in the seventy seventh minute. But I felt like they kind of had that game in control for the most part. It didn't seem like Orlando was really doing too much to test Columbus. And, uh, I mean, you can't really take the game stats too seriously here unless you were to break it down by minute because it's not like a true showing of the game after a red card has happened. But watching Columbus play in this game, like I, one thing I love about them um, – is how they just they refuse to change their style of play based on whoever they're playing against. Like they just they approach every opponent the same. Um, you know, despite like they might have like a couple like rotations in the lineup a little bit. But you know what they're gonna do. They're gonna press high, they're gonna send players forward, they're gonna dominate the ball right above the top of your box, and they're just gonna cause it they're gonna cause issues for you. They're gonna pull players out of position and they're gonna create chances. Orlando City sucks. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. This was my team to win the whole MLS Cup playoffs, so I'm a little bummed, obviously. But, yeah, just silly mistake for that first goal. I don't know if you saw that Christian Ramirez um, scored. Red card is poor from Schlegel. Just, it's a good season for Orlando. Finished second in the East. Probably their best ever... Best ever regular season, I would say. They won the Open Cup. Um, so that's their only trophy. But 
you know, beginning to end, it was a solid year for them. And they've got DP spots to fill. So future's looking bright in Orlando. I think this Columbus team, though, is just cream of the crop right now. Them or Cincinnati, which is the matchup next, is definitely feels like the best two teams left. So kinda, not too much shame. Kind of crazy that Ohio is like the hotbed of soccer in, in the U.S. right now. Really weird to think about that. Yeah, they get every national team game. They... Yeah, I mean, it's it's cool in a way because you have, like, two teams that are really, really exciting. And then, yeah, like, that your point there, like, they get every national team game because the U.S. seems to perform better in Ohio for whatever reason. Personally, I love, I love the fact that in the East you have the two best teams are from Columbus and Cincinnati. Not two huge markets by any means. Yeah. Not any, you know... European or world famous superstars, just well built squads that are both exciting to watch. It's it's two teams that yeah, they have like star players, but I think the true like stars of these teams is like the the coaches, of course. Like they have two outstanding coaches for MLS, and then both of these teams have like amazing front offices. Tim Bezbachenko at Columbus has done like an amazing job. And how many I can't remember the guy's name from Cincy that left Philly to go there with Pat Noonan. Is it Ernst Tanner? Yes. Or? Yeah, Ernst Tanner. Like, I have a feeling they're going to kind of enter this like period of dominance, similar to like what Portland and Seattle did in the West for, I think it was like seven years in a row. And making all those MLS Cups. MLS Cups. I have a feeling it's going to be pretty similar in the East here for a little bit. The only difference is the East is a little bit stronger than the West was during that period of time. Like, you have a Philly that's still pretty strong. Orlando's pretty good. Miami's trying to build a washed-up Barcelona Legends 11. It's disrespectful. <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, I mean. Yeah, credit to the to the turnarounds. Um, we'll jump into Cincy Philly. Um, that was the next matchup. Uh, Cincinnati wins 1-0. For our predictions, we both picked Cincy winning, but we got the score wrong. These predictions that we made two, two months ago. ago. <laughs> but Cincy wins 1-0. 94th minute winner by Mascara, the center back, with some controversy there. They left it late. They left it late, and... Uh... They left it up to the referee <laughs> to insert himself into this game with a controversial, you know, judgment. I guess a lot of people saying the goal was should have been offsides. The ball was played in. I don't know even. I can't remember who knocks it down to um, Yerson Mascara, but it's ball lumped into the box. Whoever knocks it down seems to be in an offsides position. Kind of has to come back to get it. And then Yerson Mascara like settles and scores from pretty close range. Um, oh, it was Ian Murphy. Ian Murphy was the one with the assist. It's Who a big else? Player. Who else <laughs> other than Ian Murphy? Um, and I think the crazy thing is like it wasn't even really reviewed or anything. It was just kind of like, "Yep, that's a goal. We're going to move on from there." Uh, and that seems to be the frustration for a Philly team that was kind of just barely holding on. I mean, I mean it was like a it was a good game, but 
it feels like they're trying to hold on to like what they were these past few years. They're trying to hold on to like their place of dominance. And this would have been a good statement for them if they would have been able to knock off the Cincinnati team and, you know, kind of put their stamp on the East and be like, yeah, we're still here. We're still the big dogs in the East. Um, but I don't know. I, I mean, I would be really frustrated if I was a Philly fan and that's what knocked us out of the playoffs. They've had the, the worst ways to end their season. The last three, four years, I want to say. Yeah. Um, yeah, I want to focus on Philly a bit. Credit to Cincinnati. They're going through. They're one game away from hosting the MLS Cup, which is crazy to think about. And, yeah, credit to them for having that whole culture change. When you bring in a guy like Alvis Powell, who's going <laughs> to change the philosophy of the club. Can we talk about that real quick? Alvis Powell playing center back for Cincy in a semi-conference final. Against his former club? That's so weird. What a weird trajectory of his career that it's gone since he since he left the Timbers. Very strange. But, yeah, going... I don't know if I mentioned this on the pod, but it might have just been when we were talking. For me, it kind of feels like the end of the this dominant stretch from Philly. I think they'll be a good team, you know, maybe even reaching this same point in the playoffs, but I don't see them, unless some significant changes happening, being better than a Columbus or a Cincy or an Orlando City even. And then we don't know what Miami will look like. So that's like four teams who might be better than them right off the bat. It looks like Bedoya's gone. It looks like Kai Wagner's gone. It seems, I mean, Kai Wagner has already kind of been all but confirmed. And then Bedoya is gone. And it seems like the whole team, like Jim Curtin, everybody wants him back. But they aren't going to retain his contract. Some strange stuff going on there. Elliot and Glesnes doesn't seem like they're at kind of their peak performance like they were. What if Gazdag doesn't get 15 penalties this year? Like, how are they going to score? I mean, bossy. <laughs> uh, I just wanted to say that. Um, but I don't know. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, Yeah, I mean, this this squad needs a little bit of construction. But at the same time, they could just have three studs come out of their academy all of a sudden that turn their team around in two years. Um, I mean, that just seems to be Philly's strength. Or hitting on a Gazdag or a Carranza-type signing. I, I would love to see them go out and, like, spend some real money for once. Like, it's been really fun watching them, like, construct these teams that, I mean, don't really seem... They don't have any star names in it. So it'd be really fun to see them, like, do all this, like, you know, kind of the dirty work, bring in these these players on these smart deals and then go out and, um, you know, get their like Evander, get their Lucho Acosta, get their Buanga or Cucho. Yeah. Yeah. Or their Bupenza or, you know, somebody like that who is like their big player that they can turn to in these moments that it's a tight zero, zero game and you need a goal and you have like that star player, like, like a Valeri. I'm going to just keep naming them like a Chris Boyd. <laughs> like a Kenny Cooper. There we go. Now we're talking like a Mike Fisito. <laughs> Remember that? Remember that one? Um, oh, man. One thing I love from Bupenza in this game, I don't know if you saw the clip. It was kind of going around on X. It was like must win knockout round game. Like, you know, 
big playoff match and it was like a clip of like Bupenza like doing like keepy ups to like get it on the ball on his knees to juggle <laughs> it up and then just boot it like out of his own half. It's like he lo- I love to see like a player like that who does love that. fun things. Um, He's probably learning that from Alvis Powell, dude. That guy <laughs> used to do that for the Timbers all the time. <laughs> That's right, man. Doing like bicycle kick clearances like when there's no pressure around him inside our own box. <laughs> You love to see that though, the flare. I I at least do. I know you do. I like it. Yeah, less so from my, you know, right back. How about your right center back? <laughs> um, oh man. One thing that was an interesting quote for me, it was it was Jim Curtin talking about. He was kind of talking about like how Philly keeps on coming up short in these big moments and how it seems like they can never get over that hump. They, they're making progress, what it feels like, over time. They're reaching these big games, but they can never, never get over the hump. And Jim Curtin was kind of asked about this, and he was asked about all these like times his club has come up short, and he pretty much said, like, I'd sign up to be playing in the big games over being at a club in complete disarray that has no chance to ever compete for anything. There's about 25 of those in our league. I'd prefer to be where we are. That's what Jim Curtin said in response Dang. to him choking. You going to take that, Colorado? <laughs> <laughs> you going to take that? Come on, guys. You just signed Chris Armis. <laughs> oh, man. man. That's a wild he's, statement to he, come out with. But, I mean, he's not wrong. He's kind of got a point. I mean, they did win the Shield in 2020, although it was a very strange regular season due to the COVID break. But... He's not wrong, though. I would take... I mean, you're right. I would take what Philly's been through as if I was a fan of them over Colorado, Red Bulls, you know, I could go down that list I was looking at earlier of teams, like, since their last trophy. There was some that, I mean... It's been like... It's been a decade. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Galaxy, eight years since they've won anything. It's just... Yeah, I mean, he's not wrong at all. I mean, I, I agree with that. Especially in a league like this where there's so many competitions that you can win trophies and Philly's consistently going deep in most of these competitions. Like a Houston, a perfect example in segue, Houston Dynamo advances 1-0 over Sporting Kansas City, ends Kansas City season. But Houston Dynamo, what, 12th or 13th? I think they were 13th in the West last year. Second worst team in the West. And then this season, they win Open Cup on the road they win a major trophy already now they're in the semifinals of the playoffs ready for more like this is the this is the league where you can expect to be a terrible team one year and then win something the next year but do Houston deserve to be in the next round of the playoffs though is the real question more controversy man these referees just want to be the center of attention you know they they see all this other you know the the media around the referees in england and they they want a little bit of attention here um you want to dive into what happened here i mean have you you've seen all the controversy i'm sure you've seen the the post game interviews and everything that's happened oh peter vermees the old dog was not happy with uh the call yeah pretty much sporting kansas city was on the attack and was it a shot? It was. A sh- it wasn't a header. It was like a shot inside the box. Yeah. And 
the Houston defender, I forget his name. It's like Svenchenko or something like that. Eric Svetchenko. Yep. He, not really intentionally, I would say, but the ball strikes his arm clearly. It moves his arm. And in real time, it kind of looked like his chest, but ref didn't call it. Hit his arm pretty clearly on the goal line. No call. Should have been a sporting Kansas City penalty. Isn't given. Kansas City ends up losing by one goal. What do you even do? Like, what do you even say about that? Because, I mean, Ben Olsen had the quote of he's, I mean, he said, I'm not even really sure what a handball is anymore. And I think most people feel that way. Especially with the, like, introduction of VAR where you can look at this in slow motion and you can see it happen and you could, like, debate, okay, I mean, it was this close to him. Did he really have time to move his arm? His arm is kind of by his side. Is it a natural position? Um, Like, nobody really has the right answer for it. And I think that's the the tough part with this. I like that quote a lot from him because he didn't just shut it down. It seemed like a pretty obvious answer where he was like a little unbiased and was like, I don't know. Like it kind of just depends on the ref who's calling it is what it feels like. Yeah. And I mean, to be fair, SKC had, you know, a good portion of the game left after that incident to still try and go and get a goal. Um, it is a little hard to just say like, oh, well, they could have went and got another goal because chances don't come very often in these games, hence why three of them ended up 1-0. So a huge chance like that in a really big game. I don't know. Personally, as a neutral, I would have liked to see the penalty given. I'm sure a lot of Houston fans are trying to make the argument that it wasn't a penalty. But I personally, this might not be a popular opinion, I always, like, for those VAR calls, kind of lean in the favor of, like, what's going to make the game more competitive. And that's not always, like, the correct way to to look at it, and I know that's true. Like, you shouldn't always just be like, well, what's going to make the game closer? Um, But I think in those instances where it's, like, it's a coin flip, essentially, like, it could go either way. If I was that referee, I'd be like, I'm going to give the penalty because it's going to make this game more entertaining. However, we're ignoring the fact that Steve Clark would have just saved it. <laughs> and if he would have, he could have picked it up and said, ball doesn't lie. He just snatched right it out the of camera. the air. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's it's one of those things that plenty of people are debating it, and I I don't have too much of a take on it other than looks like a... Seems like a bad call. Seems like a bad call. Looks like it should be a penalty, but it wasn't. SKC kind of screwed out of, like one of the best comebacks in MLS history, like from starting with one of the worst 10 games without a win. Yeah. One of the worst starts to a season to coming back and being like, I think after, was it like may they were the best team in MLS like point I think best they, in the West. Yeah. I think, yeah. They, okay. Yeah. Other than Cincy, of course. Right. And a couple of the teams in the East, but yeah, they had the most points out of any team in the West. They, they clawed their way back up got into the playoffs and then to have this be the way that their season ends is pretty heartbreaking. Yeah. But what a run. Yeah. What a run to be proud of an exciting season. I mean, obviously terrible start to the season makes you wonder what could have happened. Obviously if 
the last two seasons, honestly, if they didn't start off terribly. But making the playoffs with that crazy run of form at the end of the year, big wins over St. Louis in the Dude. playoffs, beating San Jose in the knockout round. We said this months ago, but remember, we said, like, SKC is going to do just enough to keep Peter Vermees' job, and I think they did just enough. Like, because if they would have gotten really hot and then, like, lost, like, first round of the playoffs or something, I think it would still kind of be a toss-up for his job. Still some pressure there, I agree. But I think with how they they made it to the conference semifinals and then to lose on, like, a dodgy call, he has, like, the grounds to go in there and be like, we should be in the finals right now. Like, we should be in the conference finals. We got screwed. Like, I need another go at it. And, like, I think they'll probably give it to him. And that's a guy who has so much pull, I'm sure, over the FO. And it would be so weird seeing him coach a different team. I can't even imagine him coaching just who else would he go to? He would need a project team that he could be at for a decade until he turns 90. More like 16 years yeah. <laughs> at this point. Um, we kind of did this last week, but I don't know. It'd be, yeah, a project team. You're right, I think. So that leaves us with Charlotte, D.C., Charlotte would be interesting. Portland Timbers? <laughs> Honestly, I wouldn't have hated that move if they somehow got Peter Vermees. I think he's... He said that it was his dream job and he's just been waiting for the opportunity the whole time. <laughs> Burns all bridges at Sporting Kansas City. Oh, man. Yeah, I don't know. That's. I will say with this call, and this seems like a dumb kind of cop-out answer, but... The fact that there is some human error involved with these referee calls makes it a little bit better because if every single play was called the way it should be to the books, the game would be a little more robotic, I think. Yeah, I mean, at that point, it is kind of weird to think about it. They, I wonder if they're going to develop like an AI. That's what v, I was just an thinking. An AI about. VAR that just analyzes and makes these calls and it's like okay this guy's fingernail is offside so this goal doesn't count right so i don't know i mean obviously if your team gets burned by it it sucks you you never want to see that but but it's also i mean there's the the argument a lot of people make that those calls generally kind of even out throughout the season there's some times where you get away with a few that probably you shouldn't have and then there's other times where your team gets burned that's what i was thinking because as a, as fans of a team who have just missed the playoffs by a point the last two seasons, and I've seen people on Twitter or Reddit or wherever say, like, about one specific game, like, oh, we didn't get this penalty. We missed out on a point or something like that. What if we missed the playoffs? So it's like, well, what if? But yeah. you can't really rely on one single moment Yeah, in a 90-plus-minute game, in my opinion. Shall we move on? Let's to- move on my favorite result of the weekend Seattle Sounders hosting LAFC Seattle the the model club in MLS some people say I think you have an argument there but they lose to LAFC in the playoffs 1-0 Dennis Bawanga with the goal some more referee controversy though what was that I didn't see anything wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Not in a different way, right? So in those other games, there was one specific moment that led to a goal or should have led to a penalty that wasn't called. 
This one, though, a lot of Sounders fans are very vocal online saying Ted Uncle, the referee in this game, wouldn't call fouls on Buwanga, wouldn't call or wouldn't call fouls on LAFC, should have given Buwanga a yellow card because he had like six fouls, which I agree with that one. He did eventually get a card, but it was after like six fouls, right? However, I don't know. There was only like one or two that I could see like, okay, maybe Seattle should have gotten a free kick here. One was on a Chiellini challenge on Roldan. Some angles looks like he got the leg only and missed the ball. However, other angles kind of looks like he got the ball. I don't know. When your whole strategy is just to cross balls into the box the entire game after playing out of the back and you've got Jordan Morris is the only one who can win a header and he doesn't. It's not really how you win a game. Also, when you have Dennis Buonga just hitting screamers into the top right corner on a full sprint against you, it's uh, kind of hard to win a game. <laughs> that that guy is nuts. That was his 37th goal of the season, and that was such an impressive goal to watch that I think most people probably don't appreciate how difficult that is to do. A full sprint, you've beaten the back line, you're sprinting I don't know how many yards and he wasn't he didn't have like that much space by the time he got off the shot there was a defender you know he had a lane to shoot but it wasn't like he was cl- like wide open right yeah that was like a, a FIFA like pro clubs angle to shoot from I was thinking the same thing I was thinking like how hard it would be to keep your composure running almost 60 yards and then lacing it perfectly in the yeah. other corner on a full sprint as well like like the pace of the ball to push it out from your free the feet like the perfect distance to like in your stride at a full sprint to hit it that pier into the top of the like just absolutely blasted it in that was that was really impressive to me and that that is like kind of the x factor that LAFC has that I was hoping like when I made my prediction I was like hoping that Seattle or I wasn't necessarily hoping but I was thinking Seattle would be able to like kind of edge their way through that stuff like they'd be able to like survive those breakaways from Buanga if he wasn't you know up to par that game you're right yeah Buanga nuts nuts season so far I saw he has like the fourth or fifth most goals in all football like this entire season I think oh, he's really? like yeah he's behind like Holland Ronaldo and some other Bappe probably but that's crazy yeah, factoring in, you know, Champions League and Leagues Cup and his Gabon international duty. Pretty crazy. Kind of a exciting way to end, like, the conference semifinals. Like, a game like that. Against the two titans in the West, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The two, the two teams that everybody would comfortably agree are probably the biggest teams in the West right now. As much as it pains me to say. Until we get this very, very sweet, hopeful Seattle decline <laughs> on the way. Because looks like Rui Diaz and Ladero both out in Seattle. What are your thoughts on that? I, I mean think it's I I think it's about time for Seattle. Honestly, I wish they would have kept him longer and just kinda <laughs> so we could watch the decline. Um but it's it's about time and I think everybody can pretty much agree on that feels a little reminiscent to me of valeri slash blanco leaving portland right yeah and 
kind of sad for Cascadia, honestly, because I saw somebody mentioning online, you know, these are players who Blanco and Rui Diaz, especially, they always turn up for the big, the big games, the big moments. And those are like two special players in our region. Yeah, it's going to be, I saw somebody post like, it's going to be a really interesting Cascadia rivalry between like the Timbers and Seattle this next year with so many like mainstays leaving. Cause I mean, Valeri's gone now. Blanco. Gio. I mean, Gio's gone. Um, I mean, Blanco was announced today. He's leaving the Portland Timbers. I mean, we were going to talk about that later, but I mean, he's, he's leaving the Timbers. Who's kind of like the last, like real to me, seems the real Timber that like actually cares about the rivalry other than Chara, I'd say. Um, and then on the other hand, you have Seattle losing Lodero and Rui Diaz, who are two legends of their club that have delivered for them like so much in so many different ways. I mean, Rui Diaz had an insane record against the Timbers. So to see him leave... I saw he had five goals this season. I think three of them was against Portland. That's what I read. <laughs> or maybe two he, of them. Uh, he always turns up against the Timbers, which made it even more sweet when he was like shut out in Seattle against us a couple years in a row. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's going to be an interesting rivalry this next year with so many like mainstays that have been there for so many years leaving. Fizzer at the helm. Oh, man, I, I can't wait to see what his face just appear on the screen at Lumen <sighs> No, I can't wait to see like what like old Brian Schmetzer is going to try and say about Phil Neville, try and get under his skin. Because I feel like Phil's such like a – just a good old boy, like a good chap. Like gonna, a classy kind of. Yeah, but I don't know. It'll be interesting. I feel like there's going to be some antics on the sideline this year. Because <laughs> I feel like Brian Schmetzer, he never said anything about Geo very much. And that I don't think any coach in their right mind would say anything about Geo. That's a terrifying man right there. He looks like he would like break your kneecaps. <laughs> or, or have you floating in a river. Ugh. That's a nice segue in a little bit, but oh, man. no, I remember. Yeah, I think they, I think Geo and Schmetzer had a healthy respect between them. I want to say it was like one of the preseason tournaments that they were both in before the season started, and they were interviewing them, and they were like sharing scouting or like game tape on some team that one of them was playing in the Champions League at the time, and they mentioned like they have a good relationship or like a. A respectful one so i think it's there but most importantly we want to we want to finish this segment just mentioning that seattle lost and they are yeah, not we, uh, in the mls cup playoffs anymore <laughs> this season we got a little distracted there but yes yeah, seattle are losers their season uh, is over. i mean they lost seattle's season is over now and uh the conference finals are set houston is traveling to Bank of America Stadium, is that correct? LAFC Stadium? Yep. To take on LAFC, of course. Um, that's going to be a fun match to watch. It's going to be interesting to see what Houston does because they've been such a ball-dominant team who just kind of – they, they want to just play the ball around. They almost like try and do like a tiki-taka style, like move the ball around a lot, play exciting soccer. And it's going to be interesting to see how they approach this LAFC team that is so dangerous when they get the ball. Right. And the scary thing, though, with LAFC is even without it, like this game, 
they only had this last game when they played Seattle, only had 30% of the ball. And they just needed one chance because they had Buanga, right? Two shots on goal, one ends up in the back of the net. And yeah, I was reading the MLS.com uh, predictions for this game. And I think like six out of the seven analysts they had all picked LAFC, which I feel like we're not giving enough credit to Houston because of the teams they've beat and the season they've had and the trophy they've won already this year. Haven't they beat LAFC both times they played this year as well? They they beat them back-to-back. They crushed them in Houston, and then they beat them in L.A. Yeah, I, the only thing I can say is LAFC went through like a rough patch this season, and they're really hot right now, and they're playing at home in a conference final with a trophy on the line. That means nothing. Um, I don't know. I feel like it's going to be a different LAFC than they saw before, and... It's going to be a tough game. I don't think it's going to be so black and white as a lot of people think it's going to be just LAFC is going to steamroll them. I think Houston has a really good chance of going through here. I agree. Um, Predictions? Predictions. Are we going to do them right now or do you want to save it till the end? We can save it at the end. Um, But the other conference final is a little more exciting, a little more interesting. The hell is real, Darby, is performing on the biggest stage it possibly can. When you think about it, because they can't meet in any other competition final, really. So this is the biggest stage that they could perform this final on, or this this uh, rivalry. And they're managing to do it like at a pretty early stage in the rivalry, which is really cool. But yeah, so uh, Cincinnati is going to be hosting Columbus... I'm excited for this one. This is going to be a fun game. Ohio is the new epicenter of American soccer. It's booked. It's crazy to say. It's here to stay. <laughs> it is crazy to say. We were talking. I think it's. We think it's awesome though. Not seeing, especially with all the memes you see about Ohio. Like yeah. it's just like a memed state for whatever reason. And then to think like that's the epicenter of like soccer in the U.S. now. And you love. I think there's two. There's many reasons why that's cool, but it's great to see, especially in soccer, a game that's just dominated by big, glamorous clubs. It's nice to see some, I wouldn't even call them small teams. They're just not like big market. They're not a Miami. They're not a Toronto. They're not a New York. Uh, it's nice to see two clubs like that dominating and on a stage they deserve. Like we were saying earlier, the teams that are built smartly. Um, but I don't know. I'm so excited for this game because I've been rooting for Columbus. Columbus is really hot. They aren't really missing anybody. And then you have the Cincinnati team that's just been dominant all season. And it's looking like they're going to be missing some really key players. I mean, Nwobodo missed this recent game. Wasn't even on the bench. His training is still kind of questionable. So they're still going to be missing him. They've been u- they've been using uh, uh, Yuya Kubo. Do you remember yeah. do you remember where he originally played when he came into the league? He was a striker, right? Or a forward at least. Yeah. And now they're playing him as like a D mid to cover for probably the best D mid in the league this year, Nwoboto. So kind of crazy to see they might they're probably Versatile. gonna miss him for the, the conference final. Dude, have you looked at this team's depth? Since he Cincy? has like no depth at all. Look at I'm gonna read off their bench from this game against Philly. 
So they had their starting 11. They only made two substitutions of Marco Angulo and Dom Baji. Dom Baji, really good backup Solid player. player. After that, you have Alec Kahn, goalkeeper. Santiago Arias, who's been battling injuries himself, so he's not full. Um, they got Sergio Santos, decent. And then after that, they got Malik Pinto. Do you know who that is? Nope. I think that's a Cincinnati 2 player, if I remember correctly. It's like a... They got London Aghato, Brett Halsey, and Gerardo Valenzuela. So four guys who I, I think two are from Cincinnati 2 who were the second worst team in MLS Next Pro this year, and then two are from their academy. So the depth for them going into this next game, if they don't have Noel Bodo, Santi Arias is still questionable. And then on top of that, you have Matt Miazga officially handed a four-game suspension for his antics at the New York Red Bulls game. So now on top of that, they're missing arguably their most important defender. Yeah, defender of the year. And and then on top, I mean, you also have Nick Hagland has been injured, isn't going to be coming back for the rest of the season. Um, It's just, it's not looking good for them. And the worst part about like the playoff structure in MLS is like the teams that reach the final are teams that are found in like good moments. And the Cincy team is not being found in a good moment right now versus you have a Columbus that's like red hot. Everybody's healthy. They have depth across the pit, like the field. And then you look at a Cincy where it's like everything, they just keep getting like key pieces taken away from them one by one. It feels like Columbus has a little more momentum here for sure. Their bench looks stronger. They've got Christian Ramirez, who's been great. Kevin Molino, good player in the past, but I don't really think he hasn't really made an impact. Julian Gressel, Jason Russell Rowe, Jimmy Madronda. There's some there's some pieces there. However, it could come down to the subs. But you were mentioning the back line. Columbus's back line is solid, but I don't think it's like really going to be that dominant in comparison to since he's holding off Columbus's attack. We've mentioned this before, but Cincy, if they can just win a shootout game, they've got Acosta, Bupenza. You know who's been really quiet, actually? Brandon Vasquez for Cincinnati. Yeah, that's true. And if they can maybe have him buy a goal, or if Acosta just is brilliant, but then you got Cucho on the other side. And the thing with Columbus is, like I said earlier, they don't change their game plan and they get in and around your box and they just keep the ball and they play it around and they try and find so many different angles. And when you have a back line of Alvis Powell, Yerson Mascara, and Ian Murphy, it's going to be rough. No it, Ian Murphy disrespect on the pod. I, I mean, they're all, I mean, they're good players. You can't, you can't disagree with that, but you have Yerson Mascara who has kind of, I think looked better this year due to like Matt Miazga's leadership and his, how vocal he is. <laughs> I mean, he's kind of just Yerson Mascara is a stud player, but it was Matt Miazga's back line. It wasn't, Mascara's back line this year. And then you have Alvis Powell, who's not a center back, slotting in as a right center back in a back three. Ian Murphy, he's no Nick Hagland. You have him slotting in. Ray Gaddis revived like <laughs> from they, retirement. They actually. just they thaw him out of like a block of ice the day of the game. 
and get him out there. I mean, the only thing you could see changing this lineup is either Ray Gaddis goes to right center back and Alvis Powell goes to right wing back, or that's it. That's the only change I could see them making. Maybe putting Dom Baji in the starting lineup, but then you have to pull Bupenza. So it just uh, it wouldn't make sense to do that. So it's kind of like you know what you're going to get from Cincy going into this game, and it's not looking good. Like they're, I would say their back line being depleted like this is more of an issue than Columbus's back line also being just made up of outside backs. Like I, I would argue with how dominant Columbus is on the ball and how they're going to get so many different angles and different looks, there's going to be breakdowns in that back line for, for Cincy right now, especially with it being heavily rotated. True. I don't disagree. I, I think Cincy squeaks through. You know what it reminds me of? Similar, not similar circumstances, but it involves Columbus. 2020 MLS Cup, the COVID season, they made MLS Cup, beat New England, I believe, and Seattle makes MLS Cup, beats LAFC in LA, the Supporter Shield champs. Convincingly, they had all the momentum. They're flying, and they're playing not the scariest Columbus team, and Nagby and Pedro Santos were both out for MLS Cup because of COVID. So it was like, okay, two of Columbus's best players are out. Aiden Morris slots in, and I, I think it was Derek Etienne Jr., for Pedro Santos, Columbus didn't miss a beat. So I think it it just takes like one good performance in a big moment. Can Alvis Powell, can all these random dudes step in and fill that role? I don't know, but we've seen crazier things happen. I guess so. The only reason Seattle has their first MLS cup is because Stefan Fry stood on his head for that one save, right? Yeah, I don't know, man. It's uh, it's gonna be a, an exciting game regardless. It's gonna be fun. I, I my money's on Columbus though. It has been from the start, but <laughs> this they guy just, they just seem like they're in such a good spot right now, and they have a lot of like they can change. Like I said earlier, they have depth across the board. They could throw a Christian Ramirez up top and completely change how their front line works, especially with them not having a Matt Miazga. I could see him going up there and just like bullying their back line. Like he's such a good physical presence up there. I think he could easily bully like an Alvis Powell or an even Murphy, just kind of drift off like mascara and just bully one of the other guys and open up space. Jason Russell Rowe. He's a good like role player late in the game. Mo Farsi has been exceptional for them as well. Like he's keeping Julian Gressel out of the team, which is insane. Just wild. I, but Lucho Costa, that man is crazy. One moment of brilliance, and he can break a heart. Lucho or Cucho, man, it's gonna be one of those guys. <laughs> I have Cucho. I have Cucho. I think he's gonna be. I think he's gonna be the one that'll be the difference maker. Be great. It's a great time to be an MLS fan. It's gonna be fun. I think this game will be better than whatever the final is. I yeah. think it'll be a more exciting game than the final. Just with the the rivalry, um, you know, the stakes of like. Cincinnati making the first cup final Columbus making it for their second time in four years. Um, They'd go into third most MLS cups all time. If they, if they end up pulling this off, I saw actually somebody pointed out online. I can't give credit cause I don't remember where I saw it, but 
it was saying out of these four teams, anyone who wins, there's a good storyline to write. LAFC, they'd go back to back MLS Cups, which is not an easy thing to do in this league. Uh, Houston would come from out of the cellar last year and have a double winning season, Open Cup and MLS Cup. Really impressive. Cincinnati going from three straight spoons to winning the MLS Cup and the Shield in a single season. Crazy. And then Columbus would be, yeah, having the third most MLS Cups of all time with this. And a nice bookend after all they've been through. I mean, they already got an MLS Cup after the Save the Crew moment, but winning one in front of their fans finally. In front of their fans and then on top of that, like, the way they've played all season and like stuck to their stuck to their guns and played their style all season, I think is what's most impressive to me about them. But regardless, it's going to be a fun, it's going to be a fun conference finals. I'm excited for it this weekend. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, we'll, we'll get into our predictions later, but with the Matt Miazga suspension being handed out, there was another suspension handed out. Both of our clowns of the weeks about two weeks ago, I want to say. Yeah. I said, you said Matt Miazga. I said Vanny Sartini, if I recall right. I think it may have been the other way around. I think you said Red Bulls just in general for their fans. I did. I did say Red Bulls. And I said Vanny Sartini. These were the the two mentioned. However, Vanny Sartini will miss the first six games of the MLS 2024 season. One due to the red card at the end of his game versus LAFC. And then the other five for, <laughs> what, threatening, threatening a, murder? Yeah, threatening a referee's life. <laughs> what an idiot, dude. <laughs> what a s- stupid Muppet-looking man. Like, <laughs> I can, I, we, I can, di- we discussed it like in detail like that, the week that it happened, but what a just nuts thing to say. And then I see people online like free... Free Vanny and stuff like that. What do, what do you mean free Vanny? This guy... Dude, if, if we allow that kind of behavior in our league, then we're pretty soon we're going to end up like Brazilian second division where you have like referees pulling guns like on fans and stuff who are like rushing the field. <laughs> that reminds me of all those clickbait like <laughs> soccer thumbnails on YouTube where it'll be like top 10 most shocking moments. It'll be like Messi pulling out a sword to like chop off Ronaldo's head. It's like somebody flopping, but there was like a sniper shot in the background or something. <laughs> the earth like swallows up like the field in the middle. Yeah, I don't, I mean, it seems to me, I almost would have made the punishment longer. I think that's a ridiculous thing for a head coach of a franchise to say. Grown man making uh, comments like that at the end of a sports game. We're as diehard MLS as you can get. Obviously, we're not a coach of a team, so we're not that into it as he is, but you got to let your emotions not take off like that. He's 47 years old. (laughs) Doesn't act like it. He does not act like it at all. You know what? I would love to... I'm I'm excited. You said Schmetzer in Phil Neville you're excited for. I'm excited for Phil Neville to teach this boy some manners. Teach some Vanny Sartini. Little, oh gosh, Vanny Sartini obviously not a fan with the referees in this league. I wonder how he felt watching uh, this round of games, seeing all the mistakes that were made and the controversial calls. I think I wasn't doing that. It was just 
reading crappy books in his spare time. <laughs> if you know, you know. Oh man. Anyway, this is kind of off topic, but have you seen the like the sin bin talk that's coming to MLS apparently? Yes, I have. More so, I think it'll go to next pro rather than straight to the league. But what are your thoughts on this? Should should I just should I describe what the sin bin is? I'd describe it if anybody hasn't. So essentially, there's been a new rule that has been approved by IFAB, which is like a referee organization. They approve rules, and then leagues can adopt them as they wish. Um, and it's called the sin bin rule, which essentially is like the penalty box in hockey. If anybody knows anything about that, it would be if a player receives a yellow card and the referee makes a two-armed like pointing gesture at the sideline, then that means he has to go to the sin bin where he has to go and sit out for 10 minutes. If the player gets a second yellow card instead of it being a red card, I guess it's called a double sin bin or they get double sin binned and they're, they have to go out and sit there and they can't come back into the match. So it's the same effect as a red card, except now you can substitute the player. So if you have any remaining substitutions, so if you still have a remaining substitution and a player gets a second yellow, you can substitute them and, uh, you know, continue to play with 11 men. What are your thoughts? So they're trying to cut down on dissent and time wasting. Correct. Essentially, yeah. That that's the whole idea behind it is for the time wasting, the descent, all the you know like kind of the dark arts of the game. See, I see ma- people making fun of the fact that MLS is linked with it because people like to clown MLS and call it a f- not serious league. I love it going to MLS Next Pro if that's the case because it's the perfect place to try these sort of things. I don't know. It sounds kind of corny at first, but I can see the logic behind it, honestly. Yeah. We're all tired. I love what they did in the 2022 World Cup with the extra time going in and or stoppage time mm-hmm. and how they actually played legitimately and would add 10, 12 minutes. And it kind of reminds me of the reaction when VAR was first... I'm pretty sure it was first used in MLS, if I could recall correctly. I think we were the first professional league to use VAR before that, before the World Cup that used it, I believe. And a lot of people didn't like the idea of it. They thought it was going to Americanize the game and be too many stoppages or whatever. I think it's turned out fine. I, in concept, right? I mean, there's been a lot of dodgy calls, but that brings into the human error mm-hmm. concept. So... I don't know. I'd be curious to see how it pans out and if it works in MLS Next Pro. I don't have a problem with it, honestly. Yeah. I, the, the one thing that I'm kind of tied up with is the no, like, true red card. Um, so it just eliminates red cards then? or I think you can still get a straight red. I don't. I haven't read up on it enough. But I think a lot of people are... What they're saying is it keeps the integrity of the game. So if you get you know, two stupid yellow cards where you see it happen very often where it's like, you don't get VAR for yellow cards. So if a player gets two yellow cards and they're out of the game, you can't really do anything to review that and try and reverse it. So a lot of people are saying it remains the, you keep the integrity of the game where it's going to stay 11 v 11 for almost every single game Um, versus now. I mean, you get red cards and it changes the game drastically where it could completely alter the result a team might be up one nil cruising and then all of a sudden get a red card and then completely changes the result of the game 
you know, due to them being down a man. I don't know how I feel about that. And I don't know if it's just because of my nostalgia growing up of how soccer's always been, you know, being for me playing it, for me watching it, kind of the excitement you get as a fan and like the little adrenaline rush you get when a red card happens, whether it's for your team or the other team. Like just the, when it's your team, like the backs against the wall, like it's us against them. Like, you know, like, like almost like going to battle kind of mentality you get like all of a sudden when it's the last 10 minutes and you're down a man, everything's building up and like the relief you get, if like you can pull off a result when that happens. And then on the other hand, where you get this like sense of hope where like, Oh, like they went down a man. Like we, we might have a chance now. Um, so I don't know, but it would be interesting seeing that happen more often where like in the first half of the game, somebody gets a yellow card and they have to go sit out for 10 minutes. That's a, that's a quarter of the half. That's a good chunk of time. I don't really like, I think that's a little too much time, honestly. 10 minutes I, is a long time. I yeah. was just reading about it and yeah, it's the, the idea is to kind of keep the, the flow of the game up. And so if players commit an extra foul and it, you know, stops a promising counterattack. Ten minutes seems like too much to me. Five minutes, I think, would be a much better flow because, okay, I think tactical fouls are part of the game. They're utilized well by certain players and teams, and they get kind of abused by fans, which is fine because, I don't know, it's just smart tactics in a way. It's kind of scummy when it happens to your team, but... I think that's just part of it. It makes it's like we said. It makes it more more human. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. Definitely seems like a next pro thing. I don't think they would introduce this in MLS next season. Maybe I'm wrong, but that would be nuts if they just uh, <laughs> just immediately like put it straight into MLS. Yeah, I. Do you think they would? Do you think they wouldn't want because? No, you never know with MLS the way they just throw these things in. I think MLS is past it now. I think now that we have like a an actual like second division that we can call our own with MLS Next Pro, I think that's they're going to continue to use that as their way to like just test things out. Um I mean we've seen it with like the playoff structure they used. Um I mean, they've talked about trying out other rules, like the changing like throw-ins to kick-ins when it's inside your own half. Um, I mean, that obviously hasn't happened yet, but it's been discussed. Um, I don't know. I uh, I'm still up in the air how I feel about the sin bin thing. That was just kind of something I I was thinking about that I thought I'd just toss out there for you, see what your opinion was on it. That's class. That's a, that's a good topic to bring up. One thing I wanted to bring up was this is a couple weeks, about 10 days ago almost, by the time this will release, and there was an interesting interview with, I hate to bring him up again, and I hate to bring them up again, but Brian Schmetzer, head coach of Seattle, and oh, brother, this was before the LAFC game, so they were still in the playoffs, and he was asked straight up, how dumb does this new playoff format feel with the long break and everything and the best of three and it's brand new for MLS. And he said, I don't know if this is going to make sense to you, but this is what they said. So apparently this is what MLS or whoever explained these rules told Brian Schmetzer. They were trying to make it so that the top seeds wouldn't get upset in a one game winner takes all final. 
because it happened to us a couple of years ago against RSL. They were 8th or ninth, and we were 2nd or whatever that was. And they played real negative, and it went to penalty kicks, and we ended up losing. So the three-game series, that was the gist of it. And then if one of these games goes into overtime, it's not just like 90 minutes than PKs. There'll be 90 minutes, 30 minutes overtime, and then penalty kicks. So that's what they explained. So it sounds like MLS is trying to protect the big boys a little bit from being just getting knocked out in these one-off playoff games. And they specifically mentioned the RSL Seattle series, which RSL had no shots in Seattle and ended up beating them in PKs. The irony for me is of all teams, they're talking about Seattle, the team that won their MLS Cup like that, playing this, and he called it negative anti-football or something like that. I think... I'm so sick of Brian Schmetzer, dude. <laughs> I, I I agree. There is, I, there's a lot of irony there, and I think everybody with this new playoff structure kind of knew that was the intention. Like, they were trying to protect the, the higher seeds. And, I mean to a certain extent that completely worked like that first round you saw every higher seed go through except for um st louis losing to skc and that was like the most exciting round we saw there in those those best of three like that was the most exciting funnest round it was like thrilling to see the underdog win or i don't even know if you call them the underdog because they were on better form than st louis going into that so it doesn't surprise me that it's almost confirmed because I think every, everybody knew it and it's 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 so hard to like I can't ex- explain how I really feel about it because I, I appreciate it in the fact that we get more playoff games the teams that have performed better are given more of an advantage rather than just a home field advantage in a one off game um, you're giving the lower seeds a chance to have a home game I don't know. There, I mean, there's. I mean, we've discussed this already plenty of times, but I, I, I just think that's hilarious that Brian Schmetzer of all people is the one to like reveal that to everybody, like reveal like what was like, kind of w- what was going unsaid, and then on top of that, like bring up the point of like he's probably still bitter about that. Of course, I don't know. It's just silly. I don't hate the new playoff format. I hate that this is what we've learned is the reason because of it because. MLS is afraid the lower seeds will scrape through because they just want the bigger matchup in the league. I think, yeah, they're trying to protect the integrity of their league. I mean, they're trying to protect the integrity of the regular season because if you see, you know, like we kind of saw in those single eliminations where these lower seeds are going through by playing a different style of soccer, then it almost devalues the regular season in a certain way. And sort I think of. They're trying to protect the integrity of it. That's true, but those truly great teams like LAFC last last year, they, they made the most out of their home field and number one seed and their one-off knockout runs. So I see what you're saying either way. I just wanted – I completely forgot about this. I didn't even put this on our little <laughs> schedule thing here we wrote out, but just irony at its finest here. I'm still not salty over that 2016 MLS <laughs> Cup. Well, since you took us down this rabbit hole, you now have to come up with a segue that makes complete sense to get us into our next topic. Seba? <laughs> we already touched on it, but a Timbers legend 
MLS legend, I'd say. Think? I think so. Sebastian Blanco <laughs> is leaving the Timbers. Not like a top. What what puts him as a as an MLS legend? What what has he done to make himself an MLS legend? Two MLS cups didn't make them both, or didn't win either. Won the MLS's back tournament, and if you look at his stats overall, he's got a pretty solid resume. So I guess it kind of defines what you think of as a legend, right? Because it seems the consensus with a lot of people online was a lot of people liked watching this guy and remember memorable things about him, right? So if you look at his career stats, overall, his time in Portland, regular season, 176 appearances, 41 goals, 51 assists, that's pretty good. That's almost 100 goal contributions. and Wait, how many goals? in con- What was it? Sorry. 41 goals, 51 assists. Really? Yep. Does that include all competitions or is that just MLS? That's regular season, so oh. not even including playoffs. Five goals, one assist in the playoffs, and however many U.S. Open Cup slash MLS is back and all that. But big game player. I mean... Definitely not like a upper tier legend like a Donovan or a Robbie Keane or Javinko or etc. But I think when we look back at this kind of decade we've been in, he's like a top tier player. Yeah, he's a very good player. He's a very good player. I just, I don't know. There's a lot of players that have played in the league during his time that I would put above him. And when you look across his time with the Timbers, I don't know. I mean, 81 goals, 81 goal and assists, or what was it, 91 or something? 92. 92 and 176 games. So about a goal contribution every other game. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. But he's also been, I don't know. I just feel like he hasn't been as important to the Timbers as a lot of people say he is. I've never felt that importance out of all the years I've watched the Timbers. When he was there, when he first joined, it was Valeri's team. After Valeri left and it was his team, the I mean, he won MLS's back, which you can say, I mean, that's a trophy. You can say what you want about it. I think that's like roughly equivalent to an Open Cup. I would say so, yeah. Because, I mean, you can... You can say it's a it's a trophy. It is. It's a trophy. It's about. I mean, I'd say yeah, equivalent to a, an open cup. It's just it was a weird time. It was during COVID. Everybody was locked down in the same place. It was just odd. Other than that, though, yes, he had the the MLS Cup appearances, and it was kind of his team then. But you still had Valeri there, and I would almost argue it was more Chara's team than it was Blanco's team. I'd say Chara has been more important the entire time of Blanco's existence at the Timbers than Blanco's been. I mean, you're right, but it takes a village, right? You got the spine of your team. I mean, not when you look at their win record without Chara in the team. Other than this year, ironically, they did all right with him. Yeah, where Blanco played a total of what? This was a shocking season for him. He played 438 minutes. (laughs) Yeah, not great, right? Um He's definitely past it, right? Yeah. And 
it's one of those moments where as a fan, I mean, he's plays for our club, but makes sense that he's leaving, but it still kind of still makes you a little nostalgic. Yeah, I mean, there's I will never I will never argue that he wasn't a good player for the Timbers. I just have a hard time putting him in that legend status. I wouldn't put him on my Timbers Mount Rushmore. Really? That's I, a bold I, I take. I wouldn't put him up there. I, I definitely would, but we kind of discussed this before the show. Mine would be, I mean, you, if you're just doing players, because I, I would put a coach up there. Which coach? Caleb Border. You think so? Dude, he won our only MLS Cup. Yeah, but great coach, but also if, almost won a supporter shield. If he if he would have won one more trophy, I'd agree. Okay, but I'm I'm not gonna agree. I'm not gonna say him. I would also put Timber Jim up there if we were doing non players. But if we're just doing players, I can respect that. My list goes Diego Chara, greatest Timbers player of all time. Diego Valeri, close second. Third and fourth are pretty close, and it's got to be Fernando Adi and Liam Ridgewell. Their importance to the team, I think, was far more than Blanco's importance to the Timbers. See, Ridgewell, I agree, but Adi, I, I don't. Really? Because he, 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 was, he was only here three full seasons. Yet he has more goals for the Timbers than Blanco does. But he's a striker. But Blanco's supposed to be a legend who's our star man. <laughs> Blanco powered us through some MLS Cups. Addy was incredible, but I I don't know. I don't see... There's a few players in the league history where I can see, say, could carry us in a specific moment, like in Kansas City or in Seattle or, you know, for the MLS's back, winning games almost single-handedly that I feel like if they were in Blanco's place could do that. I feel like there's a very select number of MLS players, whereas striker, I feel like we could have had a different striker on that MLS Cup run. And no. I think so, dude. dude he only scored one. You don't think Audi carried... Uh, I think, His hold-up play was I like think Audi carried us in far more regular season games that everybody just forgets about. And I might be kind of biased because, I mean, when Audi was at the club, that was when I was, like, I was at every single home game. And I watched, like, the amount of times, like, that guy single-handedly won games for us with, like, either, like, winning headers off set pieces, still scoring off, like, breakaways. He won a lot of games for us, like, single-handedly, like, him getting two goals in a game, never a hat trick. I would say Blanco just kind of – he was – at the team during a period of time when like Valeri had declined and we didn't have any other star names. So it became Blanco's team and he was the guy that we relied on. Audi was there during the height of Valeri. So nobody talked about Audi the same way they would have if Valeri like wasn't there during that time. And I think you're right, but I also that plays into what you're saying, but I think it also plays into he had a better team around him, much better service and Definitely was fed a lot more goals, whereas Blanco, I I don't think it's either or personally, but I I would give Blanco the edge, but I would not. You're wrong. <laughs> this is a conversation for Portland Timbers fans only. But speaking of club legends leaving their clubs, this is something you won't, you probably won't hear on any other podcast, unless it's like a Colorado Rapids diehard. 
podcast. I, the man, the myth, the legend, Jacob's man crush, Jack Price. <laughs> Jack Price is a legend. Is um, leaving the Colorado Rapids. Rumor on Twitter is that he wanted to be closer for family reasons, which makes sense. Which you is know. why he's coming to the Portland Timbers <laughs> <laughs> to play for Fizzer. Um, <laughs> you know, I saw that actually from a source who does a Colorado Rapids podcast, actually. You know what we should do? We should ask that podcast for a collab. They had about <laughs> 900 followers on Twitter. Let's get those guys in a in a joint podcast, right? Um, you know what's weird is Blanco was at the Timbers longer than Jack Price was at the Rapids. When did Jack Price join? Like 2018? 2018. That's weird. I don't, I didn't realize that. But yeah, we should collab with him. It's like you said that one time. You, you gauge all time by how long Dyron Spree has been <laughs> with the Timbers. Now it's, uh, now it's Jack Price. Um, Jack Price, though. Six seasons... <laughs> Let me read off. Still got something left in the tank. Do you think this is a good pickup for some club? Or I, I think so. Well, he's going. He's not going to stay in the U.S. That's, that's what the thing is. That's what it says. But if you're a team and you have a serious offer for him, I mean, I that's this what that's what Rooney's a, thing was. This right? This is a a Chicago Fire pickup. If I've ever seen one, dude. This is like such a I can't see another team in the league seriously going in for him other than like a Chicago or maybe maybe like Charlotte. I mean he's 30, he's still got some he's still doesn't, got some years left. Doesn't Charlotte have enough just <laughs> over 30 <laughs> former like UK players? Oh man. Right? Um but I don't know. I I think Jack Price was a bright spot in a not so great four or five year spell in Colorado. They had that one great year that we always talk about. Yeah, he was there for six seasons. I'll read off how Colorado did. So first season, he played thirty one games, thirty one starts. They finished twenty first. <laughs> Second season, they finished sixteenth. He had twenty five starts, twenty seven games total. Next season, they finished sixteenth again. Following season, 2021, they finished second place. And uh, he had 30 games, 30 starts. Next season, 17 games, 14 starts. They finished 17th. This season, only two games, 38 minutes total. And uh, he was out injured and still is injured, I believe. Really rough because that 2021 season, they would have won the Shield if not for New England Revolution who had who broke the all-time points record. <laughs> and that would have been a trophy in Colorado. And that's one of those things where, like, you can come so close, yet 99% of people will always forget about what you, what you did. Like, nobody's going to be talking about that Colorado team in, even now. No, nobody talks about that. We talk about it. <laughs> that's about the only place I hear about it, right? But I don't it's know. such a weird peak, and this team's like... To go 21st, 16th, two years in a row. It was a second, 17th, and then 28th again. I think a lot of people, I, I kind of similar to Montreal. Like, they, they lost a lot of pieces, but I don't know. They're a club where they've been so bad and so kind of brushed aside for so long. A lot of people were 
myself included, obviously, were rooting for that team, right, to do something. Didn't pan out for them, obviously, because of a man named Laris Mabiala in the playoffs. <laughs> but I don't know. If I was an MLS team and if Jack Price is not too homesick, I would be I would I would offer him something, right? Would you take him in Portland? Portland specifically, I don't know. I feel like you wouldn't you wouldn't center want mid, him, center dude, defensive mid. Him partnered with imagine a midfield three of him, Brian Acosta, and Diego Chara. That sounds like we an, wouldn't even need center backs. That sounds like incredible defense, but Jack Price is a great set piece taker, though. Actually, I will say he had twelve assists in twenty twenty one. He had eleven assists in twenty nineteen. He had zero this year. He made two appearances this he year. Is the uh, the David Beckham of MLS. Actually, he actually can't even broke say that because David Beckham <laughs> played in MLS. I was reading uh, Jack Price's uh, his uh, stats online. He actually passed uh, David Beckham in 2019 for having 11 assists off set pieces specifically, which David Beckham had the record uh, joint with somebody else. They had 10, but I don't know. I think he's and got that some. that is the legacy that Jack Price <laughs> will leave in this league. <laughs> I mean, on his day, is he ever going to be the best player on the field Not like week in, week out? No, but he's one of those players where if you have a good team around him, he would complement them well, and I don't think he would like stand out, right, in a bad way. I think any good team, heck, even another Colorado esque team would he's would benefit to, from he's taking going a look to at Toronto. Him. <laughs> I mean, that would be closer to home. <laughs> oh man, you know what? Speaking of old CDMs, although Jack Price is only thirty. Yeah, he still has some years left in him. Um, I don't know after that injury though. Wakambi, it's <laughs> it's uh it's hard to say. You know, after I mean, he, what he tore his Achilles, I believe so. Probably should have checked that. <laughs> I think he tore his Achilles. And I can't when get over the fact that you're sitting across from me wearing a Colorado wrap. It's like <laughs> throwback legacy cap. Heck yeah, man! But I'm a real fan here. But speaking of old salty dogs in the midfield, we got another one who could possibly be leaving his team, and uh, not so sure if he'll find another, if he'll, you know, hang the boots up. But Dax McCarty's future is up in the air. <laughs> Dax McCarty is just an MLS guy through and through, <laughs> which you love to see. He's, dude, I, th- I need him to hold on for three more years. So he could have played in MLS for 20 seasons. That's wild. That would be insane. You know, speaking of which, so Tom Tommy Scoops, Tom Bogart on Twitter, you know, he was the one who reported Dax McCarty looks out. I mean, they, they didn't extend his contract or they declined him. There's talks ongoing. And Matt Doyle, his colleague, said keep an eye out for Colorado here. So Colorado (laughs) lets their 30-year-old captain, center midfielder, CDM, they let him walk. They decline his contract, right? This guy was home in Colorado, and now they're looking for his replacement, the 36-year-old Dax McCarty, who's been solid in Nashville, right? But I would say a 36-year-old Dax McCarty is probably more impactful to your roster than a 30-year-old Jack Price, though. Especially when you're trying to, like, revolutionize that team. 
See, I don't know about that. I, I don't see why there's not room for both, right? Because... Yeah, I mean, if you can keep both, yeah. I would say keep Jack Price. But I think if you want, like, a new vision, a new voice, and you need to, like, start from scratch, I understand getting rid of the old captain and bringing in... The, Dax McCarty is He's like, a legend. He's a legend. And I'm laughing while you're saying this because... And he's been successful. I mean, he's been, he's played for he's played for 17 years in the league. He's going to bring a, a an experience that nobody else in the league has. I don't think there's... I mean, other than maybe Kai Kamara. I mean, maybe they signed Kai Kamara again. Who knows? <laughs> I, I think they had him. Colorado had they him. They did. Yeah. They definitely did. Imagine, I, like... I just don't know. I... I just don't see Dax McCarty being the marquee signing of a club that's struggling to be relevant. Who they really need is Ray Gaddis. Oh, gosh. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Danny Welbeck. Oh, just no. It's, you're getting worse and worse, man. <laughs> Did you see the rumor, actually, that Jack Wilshere interviewed for the, oh, for the yeah. Rapids job? Would've that kind would have been cool. Would've been, that would have been kind of cool to see that happen. You finally see the Arsenal... I guess Austin Trusty went between, but you finally see the Arsenal Rapids partnership payoff. Wonder how Austin Trusty's doing. The guy was doing really well in the championship. I'm looking him up right now. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I I think Dax McCarty would be a solid signing for them. I I see what you mean. Like he shouldn't be their star, like huge signing. But if they need somebody to help, kind of instill a different culture in that club and help them with a makeover. I mean, he's basically another coach. And it it feels like every solid MLS team has a good veteran, you know, I don't know how I would describe, but there's always one sort of player like that. Like Atlanta had Jeff Lorenowitz, uh, LAFC, they have Vell obviously, but like Ryan Hollingshead and Ilya Sanchez came over. They won a cup. There's always like some stud, like, some guy who knows MLS, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, w- I would love to see it, honestly. I think that would be good for them in a lot of ways. Sorry, I almost just burped <laughs> into the, straight into the mic. I think that's enough Rapids talk, though. We've talked a lot about Rapids. We've talked this a lot about... This is like a Rapids Timbers podcast, essentially. <laughs> Columbus. I do love me some Columbus. Oh, man. Should we, uh, should we go over our match predictions? Let's do it. Conference finals. Let's do it. Two games are left. What should we start with, West or East? Let's start out in the best, the West. Western Conference. Houston goes to take on LAFC. What do you got for this game? You know, I had Houston going through in my bracket. And I'm going to change my answer here. I think Ooh. LAFC wins at home. What, what's your score line for this? Oh, it'll be a tight game, I think. I don't see Houston getting blown out. Maybe. But I think, like, oh, man. That's tough. This is a really tough one. I'm going to go 2-1. LAFC wins. That was the exact score line I was going to say. Corey Baird scores a consolation goal. And... You I'm going to change. I'll go 3-1 LAFC. Respect. It just seems like LAFC just there's too much of a talent gap here. They have they're red hot. They have the the depth. It's at home. 
they have I think everything lines up well for them here. Eastern Conference though. Hell is real, Darby. Who's going through? I'm sticking with my pick. I'm going Cincy. Although if it was any other club at this point in the conference final versus Columbus, I'd pick them. But I think the dream continues for Cincinnati. I really do. What are you going for score? Oh, man. I'm going... Oh, man, this could be a shootout like we talked about. I'll go 3-2 Cincy. <laughs> I literally just typed mine, and I put 3-2 Columbus. <laughs> I agree. I think it will be a shootout. I think um, with Cincy's defense being depleted... You're going 3-2 Columbus? I'm going 3-2 Columbus. Mo Farsi hat trick? And <laughs> actually, Yaya Boa hat trick. Um... I think with Cincy missing key guys from their defense and finally coming up against a team that's really going to punish them um, and really dominate the ball against them, I I could see Columbus scoring, you know, uh, at least three goals. I'm going to say that, and then they're going to be just, like, locked down. It's going to be nil. It's going to be a 1-1. I mean, it's (laughs) going to be a cagey game no matter what because it's conference final. But I think the last, like, 30 minutes of this game it's going to open up and that's where you're going to see a majority of these goals come um columbus doesn't have the defense to shut out the cincinnati team like you were saying earlier lucho bupenza brandon vasquez um even if they throw dom Baji in and just let him like run the channels behind this high line that columbus likes to play and they just dump the ball up to him um there's, they're going to cause issues for Columbus, but I think when Columbus gets the ball, they have enough quality to play through that Cincy midfield. And I don't I don't think, you know, with Cincy missing Newell Bodo, they don't really have a good enough presence to really win the ball back and kind of shield their defense the way that they want to. Junior Moreno, disrespect right on the pod. You heard it here first. You know, one person we didn't really talk about is Alvaro Barreal for Cincy. Like you said, if if Cincy is down, maybe it is 3-2, they need a goal, it's desperation time, last 15, 20 minutes. It's kind of scary if you're Columbus defending and you've got Bupenza, Brandon Vasquez, Dom Baji if he comes in, Mascara in the box, any of these big threats, and then you've got obviously Lucho Acosta to worry about. Barreal can rip one from distance. So, what I will say though is Barreal is facing up against Mo Farsi, who that's a matchup right there. That's a that's a. I mean, you kind of laugh, but like Mo Farsi, I think is a good defensive matchup against a, a Barreal and he he's good enough going forward that he's going to keep him honest like he's going to force Barreal to have to help track back and play a little bit more defensively and then on the other side you have Yaya Boa as their left wing back left winger um, who's going to be going forward I mean he's not really a wing back he's supposed to be a winger and he he likes to attack a little bit more than their other options there and then you look at their right back for Cincy they have Ray Gaddis I think Ooh. Arias will play probably. You're, he's still questionable. He's not healthy. I I heard online he's looking more probable for this match. 
Okay. So it changes if he plays. But if they have a Ray Gaddis in there, that's going to be rough. Because, I mean... Hey, the, Ray, Ray the Gaddis whole, disrespect on the pod? He's a, he's a great player, but he did not attack the entire first half of their game against Philly. He just sat back. And I think, honestly, they wouldn't need him to if they have Barrel pushing on that other side. It might become a little predictable, but... I mean, that's... That's what you would think, but in the I mean their game against Philly it like threw them off balance a lot because they they for it forced Lucho to drift to the right, which isn't the space that you want Lucho in. You know Lucho, you want him to operate centrally, and there was so much space up that right wing because Ray Gaddis just didn't cross the halfway line essentially. <laughs> so he knows you, his role, <laughs> so you had so much space that it just it's easy to pinch in. And and suffocate Sensi if they're just letting Barrial go up the left side. I would love to see it happen. I, I, I want trust Col- Pat. I want Columbus to win. I trust Pat. I trust Wilford Nance. Who do you trust off? <laughs> Those are both two corny names, Pat and Wilfred. Wilfred. <laughs> <laughs> um. So MLS Cup. I'm saying Cincy hosting LAFC. You're saying Columbus hosting LAFC. Either one, I think, would be a great final so i think so i think this cincy columbus game will be more exciting than either of those finals though although a columbus lafc final would be pretty fun to watch cincy lafc i i don't know picture diego rossi facing his old club that would be pretty awesome first season he comes back in mls it'll be interesting to see how cincy plays knowing they won't have matt miazga for these next two games (laughs) Well, you can't go in a referee's locker room and scream at <laughs> I wonder, people. I wonder if they're just going to sit back a little bit more conservative and try and play on the break against both these teams if they, you know, make it to the final. They will. But exciting times. Exciting times. We still managed to fill up nearly two hours. That's what happens. You with put only it- two games. I'm afraid for, like, when the regular season starts next year and we have <laughs> 17 games to go through. We're in the rhythm. We've got, we've got MLS gear. Chase is sitting here with a Rapids hat. You got two mics between us, a couple laptops. What more can you ask for other than maybe social social media presence and and a camera to record? (laughs) Hey, man, baby steps. Um, Speaking of which, follow us on X, MLS Net Boys. Leave us a review. Give us some engagement. Ask us questions. Email us. Email us. I don't give, you know, do whatever you want. MLS Netboys, same as the podcast title, no spaces, MLSNetboys at gmail.com and MLSNetboys on X. Thank you all for listening. As always, Phil Neville, nope. come on the show. Nope. Keegan Hughes. I'm changing it for season two. No, it can't be Phil Neville. <laughs> it can't, dude. We're already Timbers fans. We can't fanboy over a washed up prim player like that <laughs> all right who's a different player we can keegan hughes it's got to be him until right, he comes on the show after he comes on the show we can pick somebody else okay postseason or whenever he comes on who's our who's your pick can't be postseason can't, it's got to be after can't be ohio it's got to be somebody of the same stature we got to highlight a forgotten or not or an unknown hero within the league who are we going with? Clint Irwin. Zach, Zach McMath. McMath. <laughs> <laughs> Zach McMath will be the next one. Should have been the first one, honestly, knowing his history in our friend group. That's true. But you gave me you gave me a hard time for bringing up Keegan Hughes in episode one. 
<laughs> in episode one, I brought him up. Dude, I was high on Columbus. You were. From the very first episode of this podcast. You absolutely were, and I respect that. But you were talking about just difference makers in the back or solid <laughs> players, and you mentioned Keegan Hughes. I'm like, who the heck is that? <laughs> Some rookie who's never played for Columbus's first team. Hey man, he got in the game this year. <laughs> he played a he played a heaping one minute of action this year. So I think I was a little bit justified. But oh, man. hey, Keegan Hughes breakout year, twenty twenty four. They need center backs. Get him in there. Pair him up with Rudy Camacho, Steven Marrera. They're just gonna sign some outside back and force him to play there like oh, Steven Bateshore. Keegan Hughes, Sean Zawadski, Rudy Camacho back line. That would be something else. But anyways, as always, thank you all for listening. Keegan Hughes, come on the show.